welcome. My name is Temp. I'm Dante. And I'm Herfy Durfy. And this is Go Mode, a Link to the Past randomizer podcast. I like this so, one. That was a good start. <laughs> Herf, I, I was just about to explain to our listeners that I, I understand that a podcast is an audio medium, and it is not always the best audio experience to hear somebody describe a picture. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, I must talk to you about this magnificent work of art that you have posted in our discord <laughs> um tell us what's going on here Earth. all right so uh, a couple of months ago i think i posted it uh, everywhere when i ordered it but a couple of months ago i stumbled upon an etsy store of a guy who paints um pictures of various animals with different headwear and all kinds of stuff really and they all look amazing and lo and behold i found one called the uh magnificent or the glorious or something the magnificent giraffe king and it was the head and neck of a giraffe with a crown on it and uh, i bought it and i wrote him a little note and asked him if he could write herfy in the little free space uh, next to the neck and he wrote me back and said no problem i did it and i painted the picture for you and i sent it off to you and I got it, and it was uh, in, in storage, so to speak, for a while, so nothing happened to it. And today I finally bought a picture frame and put it up behind me, and now it will show up on my stream if I ever stream again in my life. <laughs> uh, it is magnificent. Um, and uh, the background, it's its so, like, minimalistic. It's like this almost kind of realistic-looking draft. And then the background is just, like, blank canvas. So it's just like a study of draft royalty and it's it's really awesome um we'll put a link to that in the description of course so that you all can enjoy it as well but uh i'm herf i'm glad you got that finally uh, put up in in your office yeah me too me too i'm really happy it's finally found its place and uh, i hope it'll it'll stay there for a while beautiful all right well let's get on to the discussion of a link to the past randomizer of course we have news to get into first our headliner this time Everybody's talking about those Speed Gaming Live qualifiers. So Tuesday, Tim told you in the last episode that um, basically like right before we uh, right after we finished with the recording of the last episode, they announced all those dates and then all the dates pretty much will have happened by the time this episode comes out. It it really has encapsulated the last two weeks of, of the rando community conversation Mm -hmm. so uh and there's a lot to talk about uh now first of all i just wanted to point out as some people did in our discord that these are qualifiers and they're happening in the fall so no 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 i don't care no no you didn't let me it is not yet (laughs) the fall what what are you talking about yes it is no it's not how is it not fall right now i mean i guess it kind of is but it's still warm outside like Number one, it's September, which to me, September Let is Let me Google this. Number two, the end of summer is actually, I think, September 21st, if I'm not mistaken. And we're recording this on the 26th of September. So it's definitely fall. Yeah, what day were, did they start? You're you're right. They started... Mm, hang on, I'll, I'll look it up. But I think they started before the fall. Yes, they did. But, I mean, yeah, just barely. It, the, it, it matters where they <laughs> began. <laughs> so can we call can we call some of them fallifiers? You that, can. That is what I was getting to. Can we call these fallifiers? No. Okay. Because this is the 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 skullifiers because it's oh, speed squ- gaming. What about live. like squalifiers? Oh my god! 
<laughs> it's uh, it's not getting better. It's no that that's actually not that representative of SGL qualifiers. Yeah, but that is what we're talking about here. Um, so as I mentioned, yeah, they were announced. Um, let me let me actually we have the dates right here. Let me get this up so I'm not just like talking out of my talking out of my keister here. The first one was Saturday, September nineteenth. The final one is Wednesday, September thirtieth, which is the day this episode comes out. Um, so that is 16 qualifiers over the course of what, 11 days. Mm-hmm. Um, seems good. Yeah, so, so a lot of people are saying that that feels like a lot. There is a lot of, uh, it's a lot of races kind of crammed into a small amount of time. And, um, you know, it, I think, I think it's, uh, kind of common knowledge that, you know, once STL was canceled, they had to move pretty quickly to convert this to something online. But I want to turn it over. I want to turn it over to to both of you guys and ask: Do you know why it's condensed into specifically this tight of a time frame? Because the Zooter qualifiers are like a month long. That's because yeah. that game takes a month. <laughs> yeah, I think that's <laughs> a really good. Gotcha. Yeah. No. Anyway, so, yeah. What do you guys think? Uh, in my opinion, and I think you know, I kind of. Do have some behind the scenes information, but not really about how those schedule uh, those schedules were chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to what you already said that uh, once they finally get around to really saying or making it a not uh, in real life event, so an online only event, things had to move pretty quickly. Uh, I think there's a lot of stuff. That has to do, that seems, you know, from the outside, that seems very janky and hurried and like thrown together shoddily. And I think a lot of that comes down to uh, contracts that SG has to uphold with sponsors and uh, with other people that are involved in some way, you know. And the problem is... Uh, they weren't only contracts for one year. So they weren't just for, you know, they weren't making sponsor contracts with, say, for example, Twitch for last year's real-life SGL that we all attended. And then they were like, all right, cool, you did what we asked you to do. Here's your money. Uh, Let's see about next year. As far as I'm aware, and this is, you know, 50-50 guesswork kind of here. As far as I'm aware, those contracts were all for multiple years. And... um, as far as I'm also aware, the sponsors and the people involved in all the contracts haven't moved an inch despite uh, the event having to be online now. So, you know, we mm. need the same amount of live streamed hours. We need the same amount of sponsorship mentions. We need the same amount of blah, 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 whatever else is all in those contracts. I'm definitely not privy to them. So, you know, I'm mainly guessing here. But I know those make up a big portion of that. The second thing is... It always goes back to money, right? Yeah, of course. Of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I guess the money that SG is getting is less important than the potential penalties that they face should they not fulfill their contract. I think that's the bigger fear that they have. Because Mm. uh, as far as I'm aware, at least, there's some, you know, very punishing penalties where they won't get their money and might have to pay something or might not get the sponsor back for X amount of years or whatever. And with something that you want to grow every year, like Fiesel does does with SGL, uh, it's very important to keep everyone happy. As you know, Mm. you know, it's kind of, as you say, it comes, it comes back to money. If you can't afford to host the event, it's, it's not going to take off. 
uh, to host the event, you need some sponsors. And if the sponsors aren't happy, then you're kind of kind of crapped. Mm. Dante, what are your thoughts on this? I've got kind of some varying opinions, I guess. Um, I mean, from an admi- like administrative perspective, uh, I kind of get it. Um, you know, they there's a lot of multiple games going on, multiple with with qualifiers. So uh, you do want to, I guess. I don't know what contract obligations are there, so let me let me start by saying that. But um, you know, Herf kind of speculated on that a bit. I won't do too much of that. My idea is like I don't know. There's there's multiple games. I'm assuming they want to make sure that all the qualifiers aren't being overlapped by another game's qualifier. Mm-hmm. Maybe we don't have um, you know at that point we have more viewership for people who are interested in the event as a whole. More so than like, you know, we're, you know, our little core group here is mainly interested in Link to the Past Rando. So that's what we're going to watch. That's what we're going to participate in. Right. And obviously that's what we're going to scrutinize. Um, but f- so like administratively, I get it. It makes sense. Uh, as a player, especially one who had like a week of not being able to do anything on these. I'm glad mm-hmm. I bought a ticket, but at the same time, like I'm going to get totally shafted by I mean here's the deal I don't think I'm gonna win this thing but it's gonna be really hard like even harder now because I'm gonna scramble to maybe get a few qualifiers in here at the very end um but I haven't I've played like one seed in a week and a half two weeks like I'm mm-hmm. I am not anywhere near uh what I call my own like I guess mental state that I need to be in to play rando so I'm gonna probably tank every one of these <laughs> <Okay>. boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could relate to that. We'll mm. we'll get to that, I guess. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the seating because, of course, these qualifiers. The whole point of them is to rank eighty people into seeds, so that when the groups do start, groups are all competitive, and then can you know go to brackets from there. So. I guess what they're doing is uh, 60 qualifiers, just people from in from off the street and 20 ticket holders will make up these 80. And there are contingencies for if people who bought a ticket are participating in the qualifiers. And then also don't forget, we've got our international winners from uh, the German community, Francophone community, Spanish community, and also Portuguese community, which we'll talk about a little bit in, in a, in a moment. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts with like these these qualifiers and and how they work. I'm still unclear on why the last one had to be September 30th. Do either of you know like why such a like why the cutoff right there when the event doesn't happen until November? No, I couldn't really tell you. I think it uh, has to do with what Dante said uh, that apparently, you know, I didn't make the schedule or we as the as the ALTTPR admins let's call it didn't make the schedule. But um, I think it has to do with not wanting to overlap them a lot just for, um, you know, administrative purposes, I guess, having someone available to do them, having someone pay attention to everything that needs to be paid attention to. You know, you got to check every stream for the right delay. You got to check every stream for whatever else is going on and so on and so forth. So I think it's mainly down to that. That's at least the only explanation that I have. And and they batched them, you know, like there is there's a way you could do that where you sort of like maybe alternate between mm-hmm. Zuger and ALTTPR or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. 
But um, yeah, yeah I, anyway. I, think, I think the planning just didn't ever go that far. You know, they were kind of working through them in a first in first out sort of deal. You know, they were like, all right, let's get Link to the Past done. All right, qualifiers are up. People know what's happening. All right, we're done with that. Now let's move sure. on to Zooter and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, so to, to talk again about the seating, just to kind of close up this this part of the conversation. So uh, as I mentioned, the international uh, winners of those for kind of side qualifiers, the way they're going to handle that is the first seed of the qualifiers that are happening right now or finishing up today as you hear this, uh, whoever wins that and then the four from the international, those five will be randomized and then given seeds one through five at the beginning of the qualifiers. Basically, they'll all be in a group together mm-hmm. um, is the way that that will uh, break out. So that answers a question I think that, that a lot of people had. Um, especially those, you know, in those international communities. And then, um, Herf, I want to kick it over to you because you, again, are kind of, uh, you know, uh, have have a, some perspective as an admin here. But there was a statement that uh, Mind of Me put out in the uh, qualifier announcement channel of that Discord. And I'll just read it because it's short. Um, she said, additionally, some of the ticket holders may have high qualifier placing. This will just push the qualifier bar down. So we don't know for certain at this time where the cutoff will be. We will update the qualifier sheet with these positions. So what does that mean for ticket holders versus qualifiers uh, in seating during all of this? <laughs> yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a very good question. So uh, we were talking about this before we started recording a little bit. And I'll, I'll try to explain it and I'll try to start from the beginning to kind of paint a picture of how the whole process started and where it's going but i can already tell you that i'll probably not be able to give you a very satisfying answer or a very conclusive answer to how the seating works out in the end so we'll Mm. we'll see where it goes so okay all right uh one second Mm. let's start from the start um at first when it was still a in-person event, the tickets needed to be bought so you were able to get in. You know, it was just an admission ticket that you have to buy for every convention thing you kind of go to for GDQ. We did it last year at SGL and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it was also revenue that Fiesel made and needed to get everything running. Now, after it switched to an online event, the problem was for Fiesel and his crew before all of us, ALTTPR admins and tournament admins and whatever came on board, the problem for him was how do I incentivize people to buy tickets now that they don't need them for admission anymore because nobody's going anywhere. I need to A, give people that already bought tickets some kind of value and I also need to get people to buy more tickets so I can make some money. And the idea that they came up with is, if you buy a ticket, you're guaranteed uh, to be able to participate in the tournament of your choosing. Now, every tournament, uh, we came on, blah, 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 we were told all this, and then at the very end, every tournament made up a split of how many people from the qualifiers do we want in, and how many people from the ticket holders do we want in. Uh, the way this worked out is I asked Fiesel, hey Fiesel, tell me how many tickets have already been sold? Like, are we already at like 50 tickets sold for ALTTPR? So, you know, we already got most of the 80 spots that we have for the tournament filled up with ticket holders. Or are we on the other end of the spectrum? And he told me, well, you know, not a whole lot of tickets have been sold, to be truthful. Less than I'd like because uh, people don't need admission tickets anymore and nobody knows what's going on. So people aren't buying tickets. So I said, all right, how about for ALTTPR we do the split like this? 
uh, we we give the the people that put the time in for all the qualifiers that are already very you know close together and hard to get five in and all the stuff that you need to do how about we give them an incentive and give them 60 spots and then since not a lot of tickets are being sold anyway we reserve 20 spots for ticket holders so it, it should work out that way and that was the plan originally and now the problem is you've got ticket holders that bought tickets just to support the event they have no interest in participating in the event itself so theoretically one of the 20 tickets is gone but those people have no interest in participating in the tournament so there's still an open ticket spot left uh, the second one is something that you already mentioned which is ticket holders that are also participating in qualifiers and get a seating from that what do you do with those uh, that's kind of where mind of me's message comes in so there's two kind of ways this could go. The first one is, uh, and apparently the one that they've chosen is, if you participate in the qualifiers and get seated as a ticket holder, you push the qualifier boundary down. So it goes from 60 qualifiers and 20 tickets to, say, 65 qualifier people and 15 ticket holders. Because when you're seated through the qualifiers and you make it in, you don't really need the ticket anymore because you're already in the tournament, you know? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. So that's kind of what her message is about, where she says the qualifier bar might be pushed down. That's what she means by that. So it could be more people get in from the qualifiers because there's a lot of overlap between ticket holders that also participated and qualified through the qualifiers. I gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you for that explanation. That actually makes a lot of sense. And that was a good, a good breakdown, I think. Okay. Good. Um, <laughs> because so I'm as confused as everyone else about this <laughs> and it's really not very easy to see through how everything like that works. One last thing yeah. I want to mention, because I don't think we've mentioned it yet. Uh, the people that come in through the qualifier placements get seated according to their qualifier placement and all ticket holders that are left over that haven't played in the qualifiers or haven't played enough qualifiers or whatever get seated at the very bottom. So as a mm. ticket holder, you're not seated, so to speak. That was me last year. <laughs> Basically, yeah, I bought much. a ticket but didn't play any qualifiers. Yeah. And uh, um, I, I think, you know, I, I don't want to... I've, I've been going on for about this for a whole while now, and I don't want to push this too far, but I think there's an interesting conversation to be had about this where, if you think about it, you spend 20 bucks on a ticket, and you get, like, the crappiest end of the stick out of everyone, assuming you would have made it through the qualifiers, you know? Like, yeah. if, you're, if your skill level is good enough to make it through the qualifiers, and you're like, well, I'll buy a ticket you get like nothing for your 20 bucks. You get the worst seating. You, you know, you're kind of at the moment, you don't even know really, do I get in if I have a ticket or not? Is there going to be enough spots left or not? It's just kind of, it's, it's all kind of weird to me. I have, yeah, a, here's, go ahead, go ahead. You, Dan, you go ahead, Dan. I have a, a soapbox opinion about mm -hmm. this and I think I've shared this with you guys. So Herf saying, you know, with the 20 bucks, if you're a higher level player, there's really no benefit uh, you know, except that you're just supporting the event, which I fully support. I, I am all for, you know, making sure this is something that happens, you know, whenever COVID decides to be in some kind of control. But mm -hmm. uh, my own personal opinions that do not reflect the anything of Go Mode podcast uh, right now. <laughs> so here's a hot Tuesday take. Tim is standing by. Here's a hot take on how this should have gone down in my personal 
dainty, you know, big brain opinion. Basically, we should have had, if you bought tickets, you are grouped after the people who win those other qualifier tournaments. Like, you know, the, the international ones and maybe the number, like, so the number one overall qualifier gets, you know, in that group as well. And mm-hmm. then, so that's like one through five, right? Mm-hmm. Then your 20 tickets are positions six through 25. So you've got 20 tickets. And that okay. way you don't have to play qualifiers because let's be real, from the player perspective, these are rushed and you just kind of pissed everybody off and there's no benefit to buying a ticket if you're going to qualify. Mm-hmm. But if you want to make some money and piss everybody off, since that seems to be the way to, you know, you can't avoid <laughs> that, you just do this. And then it incentivizes people, oh, there's 20 tickets. Let me buy one. I don't have to do qualifiers. I'll get randomly seated between 6 and 25, or I'll play some qualifiers, and then maybe I'm seated in my own, like, group, and the worst I can do is 25th. Like, that's that's how you incentivize, like, some money, and it's kind of a pay-to-play, pay-to-win almost. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm saying yeah. it's a hot take. Yeah. So Listen, yeah. listen, listen, if you're going to piss everybody off, you might as well make some money while you're doing it. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. I mean, I agree with all of that, and I don't. I have no explanation or no like justification for why it's going the way it's going right now. Uh, I put it down mostly to lack of experience, uh, having a very hurried, you know, reshuffling of everything that's happening and that's supposed to happen, and also being kind of understaffed. In all honesty. That's mm-hmm. fair. Like, I mean, yeah. that's that's a very honest take. And I, I think that given how, like, how out, like, this is year two, and this is, you know, a weird circumstance for what we had last year. Mm-hmm. So I get it. And, and I'm, I, I don't hold it against, you know, anyone in charge, Feasel, Speed Gaming, anybody. I, I mean, I totally get it because, honestly, if I'd have been in those shoes, I would have been scrambling. And maybe it was, but I would have been scrambling to find a way to just say, hey, we're going to postpone this. It's not going to happen in 2020, and we're going to make 2021 even better. But you mm-hmm. started talking about those contracts, so I get it. It, it just you, You've got to make something happen. Yeah, yeah, that's the main problem. I think if they could have had the chance or if Fiesel had the choice of just going, listen, it's not going to happen this year. I'm sorry. Everything that you guys spent on this year will be saved for next year. Nothing will be lost. We'll just, you know, move it a year. I think he would have chosen that probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all the contracts, you know, they didn't know for the longest time if or how they could get out of the hotel contract that they had, which was the reason for why it was you know, not clear if it was going to be an online event or not for so long. And now mm-hmm. they have all those sponsor contracts that they have to, you know, fulfill somehow. So I guess this is what we're getting. It's not great. Uh, but, you know, as you said, it's kind of understandable. And I hope that I could at least make people see that we're not doing it just to be assholes. Yeah. And I, I'm still like on board, you know, for the tournament or whatever. I'm almost definitely not going to qualify, which has definitely colored my whole experience. I've been playing very poorly and had some very bad luck while I've been playing them. So I'm already a little like sour about the whole thing. But that's that's like totally on on me. That's like not their fault, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's um yeah, it just feels like a lot of people have been kind of stressed about this. And I do want to sort of. Um, we have more to, to discuss, honestly, on this topic, which is fine. We, I think it's going to be a nice news-heavy episode. But um, 
uh, I, I do want to kind of end all of this on, you know, the note of saying that, uh, again, you know, of echoing what you guys have said about everyone is just doing their best. Everyone's in a tough situation. And, you know, we're all still in this community together. And, and I don't think anyone's doing anything malicious. Mm-hmm. Everyone's trying their best. So, you know, specifically, uh, especially mind me, I want to shout out because she's been the one that's kind of you know, been the announcer of all these things. She's been at a lot of the qualifiers. Also, Synac, I've seen it, most of them as well. So I know people are working hard on this and I want them to feel discouraged by us uh, critiquing the process. But, um, you know, that's one of the things we do is just kind of make sure that we have these discussions when stuff like this happens. Yeah, definitely Um, worth talking about, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, speaking of uh, the qualifiers, there's been, I think we're through like nine or 10 of them now. And again, when this episode comes out, will be the last one, number 16. I've done four of them. Um, we have the qualifier score sheet uh, that we honestly, we, it doesn't even make sense for us to look at right now. I wanted to get into it. You know, it's traditionally the kind of thing we would do. But if you haven't done three qualifiers yet, which a lot of people still haven't, it, the date is useless. Like it, it has me qualifying and like, that's, that's not right. <laughs> so uh, it, it, there's, it's not really worth talking about yet. Uh, but we will put a link in the description and, you know, a couple of days after this episode comes out, definitely check it out because those will be legitimate, um, you know, seedings there. Uh, so another thing I wanted to talk about is the fact that, um, uh, there's another sort of new experience for a lot of people in the community that are playing these qualifiers, which is a lot of us. And that is the fact that it's the first sort of officially sanctioned kind of event in which both auto tracking is legal and quick swap is allowed to be enabled. It's not enabled by default, as I learned, uh, but you can switch it on. So we've got both auto tracking and quick swap uh, at the same time for the first time for a lot of people racing. And I just wanted to ask, Dante, I know you've done at least one qualifier. How's that going for you? I haven't done a single qualifier. Oh, you haven't? <laughs> oh, I thought you had done one. No, I've I've had company in town, like literally Dang. for a week and a half almost. So I have not been able to to do any qualifiers. So, uh, and I haven't. Have played, you done a seed like this? Though I, I haven't. So, oh wow, the best thing I could say I've done is you know, play the cross keys a long time ago and. It was a multi-world and gave myself boots at the start. That's the closest I've come to doing, you know, starts with boots and has quick swap. But, um, you know, I've done a few auto tracking races and I, you know, personally, I think I play worse with auto tracking, like just, Mm. you know, trying it. Uh, I, I, I think it's a, it makes me not think about my logic as much because it's just there and I have to. I like clicking stuff, you know, it, it makes me, it makes me think, it makes me engage my brain a little more. The more I engage it, I feel like the more I can think things through. So I don't know if I'll be using, uh, auto tracking for the, uh, for the races or not. Well, or the qualifiers that I do get to do. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> mm. Okay. I tried it for the first time last night. Uh, the, for the first two qualifiers, I didn't have auto tracking or quick swap. I didn't realize that you had to toggle quick swap on at the beginning. And I actually tried to hit L and R in my first race. And I was like, oh, I guess these aren't quick swap enabled. I must have been wrong and just went on my merry way. Yeah. And then was talking to Herf and Dante about it later. And they they corrected me. So uh, from qu- qualifiers three on, I've I've been using it. And I couldn't figure out auto tracking for the first 
three qualifiers and then for the fourth one i finally took the time to get it set up so last night i had one with quick swap and auto tracking and yeah it starts with boots that's another thing that is a little different you know like bonk rocks is is on the table immediately uh library is available right away that's just two small examples but it definitely changes things it opens up a lot of glitches that you can do as well um so yeah, it's it's been interesting. Uh, as far as quick swap, I'm having a lot of trouble with it. <laughs> I'm <laughs> not very good at it at all. I a lot of times and find myself just like ding, 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 just like mm-hmm. going through my whole menu looking for something, and it's like that's not right. That's not the point of of quick swap is to is to stand there silently and scroll through all of your items so i'm trying to get better at that a lot of it is knowing when to quick swap and when to just go ahead and use the menu um like if you've got a full menu you know with a bunch of items it's usually going to be better to get the menu out unless your item is just one or two away which like learning that and like remembering that is is also a challenge so yeah it's it's gonna take a while i think for me to develop these skills and uh i feel like i need to do a lot more watching uh, you know, uh, take some time to watch some more races to figure out what people, how people are incorporating this. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be, it, it's a lot different. I actually kind of liked auto tracking, I will say. I didn't think that I would, um, but I felt like it did its, you know, supposed job of allowing me to focus more on what I was doing in the seed instead of, you know, futzing around with my mouse. So I like that. I actually, I actually think I will, you know, probably continue to do that. And, uh, you know, there are still some things you have to track. You have to track the items in dungeons, keep count of those. Um, uh, crystals, I felt like I had to mark. Maybe I was just being impatient after I collected them. But um, so, yeah, you still have to do a little bit of tracking. Um, so, yeah, and the last thing I'll say, not to like end on a, ba- a sour note, but I've just been playing absolutely terrible and I've had some really bad luck. That seed that I played last night, my internet went out when I was on Ganon. Uh, by the time I got it reconnected, it was about 10 minutes later and that's when I dot done. So I dot done like 10 minutes after I, uh, actually finished the seed. I might go back and see if my VOD is intact and, and appeal or whatever and see what I can do there. But honestly, it's probably not even worth it because I lost like 10 places, but again, I'm probably not even going to qualify anyway. So, so that happened. And then in the second qualifier that I played, I was climbing uh, Ganon's tower with the fighter sword. So I still needed to find a master sword somewhere and fighting Moldorm 2. And after I killed Moldorm 2 and hookshotted to the chest, I walked through the door and I appeared out the right side of that Moldorm room. Uh, I had done essentially like exploration glitch, something like that. I was like walking through rooms. I tried to correct it and fix it. And then I got to the Aga 2 room and Aga 2 was not there. And I had to forfeit that one. So that was a bummer. And then I went to the Discord and I was like, yo, do either of you guys know what the hell just happened? And apparently it seems that I somehow managed to pull off a frame perfect, pixel perfect major glitch that breaks the game uh does one of you maybe want to try to explain what i did here from from the you know from what i explained to you uh i i can try if you want me to so yeah go ahead uh what you what you made happen is the quadrant glitch which only happens on super tiles as far as i'm aware and uh you managed to spin so what exactly happens is a little bit complicated and to be honest i don't exactly know what it is i think it it, it's when the game is trying to process two uh, move commands in the opposite directions at the same time 
And the way this happens is uh, you spin your sword exactly on the super tile boundary, which is like in a weird spot on the Moldorm 2 platform. And it needs to be pixel perfect, as you said. You need to be on the pixel where the boundary is. And you spin your sword and you get bounced uh, away from Moldorm while you spin. And it, it's kind of like the uh, camera unlock in Pod, where it screws around with the camera and the game doesn't really know what to do with you. Everything looks very normal, but as you experienced yourself, it uh, it really screws everything up. It despawns all the enemies and you're not really in the room uh, that you think you're in. And yeah, it, it just breaks everything. Yeah, I definitely got a sense of that. It was like I was walking through one room, but running into things from another room. And I was mm -hmm. like, I'm I'm exploring right now. This is not good. The end yeah. of a two hour seed where I wasn't even in go mode yet anyway. So, so. Uh, I'm sure it, it probably wouldn't have made a big difference for you, but you could have fixed it by mirroring out. Or I guess saving and quitting, but I'm not sure if you wanted to do the whole Ganon's Tower climb again instead of just, you know. Correct. Yeah, yeah. that is correct. I yeah, did not exactly. want to do it. <laughs> I had already checked all of the items in Ganon's Tower, too, and there was no swords there. Mm -hmm. I was going to have to go find a sword somewhere. So, like, <clears throat> yeah, I was just, I was quite done at that point. Yeah, understandable. I'm just, you know, in case it happens to anyone else or in case it happens to you again and you do want to finish your seat for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I um, mean, if it was ladder. I probably would have, you know? Yeah. So yeah. mirroring fixes it. It's good to know. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I noticed this thing. I, I, this probably happens to a lot of people when you're doing qualifiers and you play one and you're like, well, that's my drop seed. And then you do your next one. And you're like, no, wait, that's, that's my, my drop, drop seed. seed. <laughs> and like every one after that is like, okay, that one's definitely the drop seed. Yep. I, I feel like that happens to me all the time with these qualifiers. Um, do you guys have any final thoughts about the uh, Speed Gaming Live qualifiers that have been going on the last couple weeks? No, I think we, we've pretty extensively covered everything. Yeah, I would agree. Same. Okay. All right, let's move on. Uh, a quick check-in. Uh, some of these final, you know, summer tourneys are, are finally wrapping up. I did want to report the Spanish tour tournament did conclude uh, that had not the last time we had an episode. Now it has GG to Azazas. Uh, that was the winner of that one. Second place, Oath 28. Third place, Matt Cap, who left us a very nice review one time. So shout out to you, Matt Cap, and congrats on the, the bronze there. Um, and then, as I mentioned before, when we were talking about speed gaming qualifiers, there was one more that we failed to cover. And to be honest, it kind of took a little bit of sleuthing for me to even find the challenge. Um, it was kind of tough if you don't speak Portuguese. But there was a Portuguese tournament uh, that was going on in conjunction with, you know, the Francophone and German uh, and Spanish ones. So I did want to give them a shout out. The winner of this tournament does get that free flight in 2021. And the winner of that tournament was Kyong92. Um, I actually didn't realize that they uh, spoke Portuguese or were from, you know, Brazil or Portugal, but uh, knowing that it makes perfect sense that they would be first because they're an incredible rando player. Um, second place, Furiami, uh, Furame. Yeah. Do we ever decide how we want to say that? Furame. Furame. Great. And then third place, Tepedino, who's one of our mentors in the mentor tournament. So shout outs to the three of them as well. Um, and then, by the way, if you look at that challenge, it looks like that finals was was uh, was like back and forth. It looks like it was pretty dramatic. Um, a 2-0 uh, for the winner that sent them to losers, and then they came back, and then they won their set, uh, and then that went to like a third set of uh, best of fives, I think. So it looks like it was it was quite a quite a battle. 
Um, so yeah, I just want to shout out to uh, our uh, listeners uh, who are who speak Portuguese, uh, and uh, shout outs especially to the three of them who uh, qualified in that tournament. Um, Cross Keys tournament uh, is down to its final four now, I believe. Let's just take a quick look at that and make sure that that is still the case. Yep, Andy is the winner of the winner's bracket. He is awaiting the uh, winner of the loser's bracket, who uh, is going to be either Violet Pumpkin or Lin Lin Lin. Also interesting to mention that Andy actually knocked out Violet Pumpkin to make it two winners. So it will be uh, a rematch if Violet Pumpkin wins and comes back to reface Andy there. Um, but that one still chugging along. We will let you know how that uh, finishes out. Um, any thoughts on those uh, tournaments? No, GG to everyone involved. Uh, I I wasn't really privy to a lot of the Portuguese stuff, but since I'm in a, in a Discord with both uh, Kyong and Furem, I kind of witnessed uh, back and forth live, as live <laughs> as it could be while not watching it, if that makes any sense. Awesome. That's cool. Uh, so next up, I wanted to talk a little bit about the League Season 3. Uh, I had assumed there would be some more news, but um, Dante has... Have we? Is there really anything to report on this front since the last time we talked? Uh, there's no team announcements or anything yet that I've seen. All right, so I have been greenlit to give just a little hint of information. Ooh. So, uh, obviously, as we're recording this on September the 26th, on a Saturday, uh, we have about an hour before the team signups are cut off. And trust me when I say that we're cutting them off at the deadline exactly not a minute later and not a minute before. <laughs> um, we have crossed, not for the open, but for the Invitational Plus Open, so that's 32 plus whatever, um, we have crossed over 80 plus teams. Oh my God. When we had to beg for 64 last year so we could have that full, you know, that full spectrum. So, uh, we're, we're, we're excited and we're like, holy crap, where is everybody coming from? So I see a lot of, you know, I'm looking at the sheet. I can't give team names out, but I will say I see a lot of returning GMP teams. I see a lot of new GMP teams, and mm -hmm. that's something that I am personally pretty excited about. So the Open's going to be kind of cool just because of the sheer mass of teams that we're going to have. But uh, Invitational also going to be something uh, really fun, too. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting this started, but I'm sure there's going to be some... There's going to be some reveal streams and such uh, in the coming weeks, but we, you know, we got to get all the teams in first, I guess. Yeah. Gosh, I had no idea there was going to be so many. That's that's crazy. Neither did I. <laughs> Is it going to work okay? Yeah, we're going to... Is gonna, that too many? No, it's not too many. We Okay. We said we were going to find a way to make this work, and we've, we have contingency plans for, for more, but that doesn't mean we want to be able to have a you know an unlimited supply you know we're still way short of you know that 512 plus swiss you know tournament mm -hmm. that happened in 2018 so like yeah. as far as number of players we're we're below that threshold but yeah 80 plus teams uh yeah we'll see what the final number is here coming out here real soon hopefully <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing who those uh, 32 teams are. One of the things when you would submit to um, 
you know, uh, participate in the open league, you could check a box to say whether or not you wanted to be considered to be basically like called up to the Invitational League, because I understand there were a few spots open kind of at the very end, you know, maybe teams that didn't want to return or whatnot. Um, So uh, I I don't know how much you can speak to that. I can say personally for my team, uh, the long shots, which I joined along with the rest uh, or uh, Arresta and Tyler Salt's team, also, Diesel Martini was on it, but left to form another team. So I took that spot over. I'm now on the long shots. Um, we submitted our form and we decided not to click that because we wanted to be in a more competitive league. And on the very tiny, tiny chance that we did get called up, we would just get pounded into the ground every single week. So <laughs> we wanted to be in a more kind of competitive league. Have you seen a lot of people checking that box or can you disclose that? Uh, that's something I probably don't want to disclose but sure. I mean it's been a it's been varied we'll say okay very interesting yeah I'm definitely looking forward to seeing those 32 teams um so yeah any other final thoughts about the league season three when does it kick off again do you dad does either of you know just like off the top of your head it's it's mid-october so we've got maybe yeah. a little less than a month uh, I don't oh. have the exact date off the top of my head but in uh, like I said as soon as these SGL qualifiers are over uh, probably here in the next couple weeks, there are going to be announcements and uh, reveal streams for the Invitational and for the um, the Open. Yo, Tuesday Timp here with a quick break in to cap off this league discussion. On Sunday, October 11th at 12 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash speedgaming, the ALTTPR League will be hosting a live announcement stream complete with information on everything all 32 invitational teams and divisions all 54 open teams which ended up being the final count there uh divisions and playoff structure all of it so be sure to check that out at noon eastern on october 11th at twitch.tv slash speed gaming all right back to the news very good uh yeah and we'll uh you know if you hang out in our discord we'll make sure people are aware when that's going on and post some links for you uh, moving on, we have a little update on the Racing Council. I don't think much has happened with this since it was announced over two weeks ago, so this should be pretty short. But you know, now that I've got the boys here, uh, I mentioned it as Tuesday Temp Solo last time, but I wanted to you know check in on this. So there was the decision that uh, all those reviewed glitches were uh, deemed to be legal. None of them got the two-thirds majority needed to ban them or overturn the initial decision. But I understand some of them were kind of close, Dante. Yeah, um, you can see the you know the voting results, and you know go from there. Uh, we also put a couple. Yeah, of, I'll link those. We put a couple of you know other things in there as well. Uh, there seemed to be a little bit of interest as far as you know, not so much banning hovering. You know, that's a hot topic. I know, um, but more so like banning the full sequence breaking of upper GT such as, you know, mimic clipping and hovering. I think that was sort of close. The, the closest one, obviously, was mimic clip uh, when we reviewed that, but uh, it is going to remain legal um, for the racing community. And we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we don't want to make a habit of reviewing glitches because then it looks like it's some political thing. But this is, uh, I, I think where we're at is a nice, uh, a nice balance of, you know, glitches inside of, you know, the game itself. Um, most players, especially the new ones, I was a little on the fence initially. You know, I voiced that opinion here. Uh, when I say new ones, I mean Icebreaker, Diver Down. Those are still the newest out of all of them. 
But, uh, you know, the more I've, you know, seen them used in races and used them myself, they've really grown on me. And uh, I think the, the balance with the meta and how everything's playing right now is uh, is really good for, for the racing scene. So there was another thing. I have this listed in, in our outline under, you know, this conversation. I wanted to make sure we talked about it. Uh, P-Train had an announcement on the 17th of September. Not going to bother pinging with this, but it's something we wanted to address just in case. A bug has been discovered in the Rando-ROM. If you go to the Lost Woods chess game and kill yourself with bombs, you will spawn on the Pyramid. This will happen regardless of your inventory or whether or not Aga has been killed. A fix has already been submitted for this, so it will be patched with the next update. In the meantime, consider this exploit banned for competitive play. How did this happen? <laughs> like the past is a good game. <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there's probably no good explanation for how or why this happens. It's just it's broken. Well, here's the thing: this is not vanilla behavior. So this yeah. is this is a they came out and said this is a product of uh, the you know the the hacking uh, ROM hacking, if you will, of the randomizer with the code like gone awry. So uh, in te- if you go test this on the vanilla game, no matter what version or the practice hack, it does not work. So that's that's why it was such a, all right, this is a bug. It's banned. Like, it's yeah. not it's mm-hmm. not like we're saying, oh, well, that's going to break the meta or something. You know, this this is not intended. So it, right. uh, that's why it was just across the board banned. That makes sense. That's so funny that it. I would love to be in the room when that was discovered, you know? <laughs> I want to know who killed themselves in yeah. in the who thing. Went, you never even go in there. You do an entrance. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, hmm. But still, like, dying inside chess game, that's... Uh, I would get that. I would get <laughs> learning that if, like, this was Zooter and there was, like, a freeze chest that takes, you, you know, your life away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... That doesn't happen in Link to the Past, so I'm super confused. I don't know who found it. It may have just been something with like looking at code and then seeing it and yeah. then trying it. I, yeah, but probably. again, I don't I don't know who found it or what spawned the idea of you know finding that. So funny. Uh, speaking of other uh, glitches, clips that were discovered and banned, I wanted to briefly talk about freezer clip and fake clippers. <laughs> two new uh, clip glitches that were both banned. Um, so the Freezor clip basically lets you bypass the first room in Ice Palace without the fire rod uh, or Bombos. And it's marginally useful already because basically I think, you know, we, there was a little bit of discussion in our Discord. And I think like getting a better progressive sword is kind of the only way logically you could find something that would help you if you even did that. Also, it's super hard to even do. You have to, like, bait this Freezor into the wall and, you know, basically clip him out of it. And then you can you know, walk through the door. Um, but, yeah, it was banned. Uh, do you know why specifically this was banned, Dante? Do you have any kind of details on that? Um, I mean, l- let's let's look at this, too. This This is a terrible way of wording this. But I was against this because it's it's kind of a random chance. It's like four coin flips. I think I saw Trinex say something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's it's really out there. Uh, it doesn't add anything to the game. I don't think like it. That's like an all or nothing, make or break decision. And 
I mean, me personally, the only way I could think of it being really useful is that if something's there and someone used it, then I think everyone would be watching them to see if they're doing some kind of inspecting, you know? Mm. But, like, obviously I'm kind of joking when I say that, but uh, I I just don't really see... I I can't see a reason to use it. And that was kind of why it's like, you know, do you want to see gameplay in a race, uh, whether you be the one playing it or whether you be the one watching it, do you want to see gameplay come to a grinding halt? That's kind of what happens there. Plus, you can't hmm. do it in Freezor 2, so you don't really get the option of, you know, getting that chest. It only opens, you know, it opens up, what, Ice Palace, Sands, um, you know, depending on your layout. If you have everything to full clear it, you lose one chest this way, or, or two, rather, because you can't do Cold Stare. So it's like, is it really worth your time? No. And it, it didn't feel right, I guess. Which is kind of... I voted to personally allow it. I wanted to be consistent because I voted... Like, I like Mimic Clip. I think it's mm. good. Uh, but by the time I had cast a vote on it, uh, the the like the numbers had already been decided. So yeah. there mm. is... I, I will say, I feel like there may be a little bit of inconsistency there, but... It's not that I don't think it adds anything to the game, so I'm I'm okay with that being banned. Yeah, yeah, I, I I definitely agree with that. I would never try to bust this out. I don't think it would ever be the right play for me. I would never practice it to be able to do it fast enough or consistently enough. I don't know anyone who would, so I'm fine with that going away. Um, and briefly to talk about fake clippers, this one sounds like it would be super useful because the premise is it lets you get through Swamp Palace without the flippers. And you're like, oh, well, hell yeah, I, I've been waiting for that. But unfortunately, essentially what it does is it puts you in a fake flipper state in that first room and you can't get the key out of the chest to get through. Now, if you're in key sanity and you have the key already, great, then you can go through. But then more problems are created that essentially make it impossible to really continue or, or get any use out of it. And also it's banned. Um, as we said, that one was banned as well. But uh, Dante, any thoughts on the the fake clippers and kind of how that process went uh, examining that one? Um, everybody had that. I mean, so with examining these, it's not like we all get a microscope and discuss it, but obviously everybody had their own opinions about it. Kind of feel like that one feels more like, you know, going way out of bounds and it's only useful, like you said, in key sanity. So, you know, that's, I, I just didn't feel good with that one personally. Um, yeah. but I think a lot of people kind of shared the same sentiments of, it feels like you're going out of bounds. I think that one was actually like unanimous that we didn't want mm. that one. So everyone kind of had the, the same opinion on that. But uh shout outs to the person who was uh, playing around with that in the lab and trying to find a way to get through Swamp Without Flippers. I definitely applaud your efforts. Um, just get back in there. Keep working on it. Let's let's see what you got next time. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give up. Um Cool. All right. Well, Dante, thank you for the explanations of kind of everything that's going on with the Racing Council. Sure. We appreciate having you as a liaison. <laughs> I'm glad I can uh, offer some <laughs> insights here. Hell yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about some GMP community updates. So the Speedrun Education podcast that we all guested on a little while ago, uh, the first episode of that released last Wednesday... Uh, as you're listening to this a week ago, um, it was delayed a week, but that actually worked out a little bit better because then, you know, there was a little bit of GMP content in between episodes for people. So I thought that was cool. And um, 
Yeah, that was a lot of fun to do. Uh, people seem to enjoy the discussion and uh, uh, be on the lookout for part two, which should be posting today as this episode comes out on the you know video version and also podcast version. We'll link to both of them. But uh, yeah, a fun time was was had by all. How did you guys like the the camera experience? Mm, it was weird, but also kind of enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had yeah. a good time with it. I thought, uh, yeah, I, I guess like uh, you know, we were. I saw some discussion in a channel about this about like you know, do you look at your camera? Do you not look at your camera? And I I kind of made it where. I, w- I wanted to look at it while I was talking because of, you know, I wanted to look like I was talking to whoever's watching this, you know. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I also get the idea of not wanting to look at it to have it more, I guess, casual in a way, mm-hmm. like a conversation rather than like a speech or something. But yeah, like I thought it was fun. I had a great time doing it and um, I'm, I'm, I haven't had the chance to watch it again because I had people from out of town here. So uh, I'm looking forward to doing that over the weekend and seeing part two when it comes out. And that way we can, you know, go support uh, Flesh's podcast a little bit as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. My uh, I can't get my camera in a place where I can, like, look at my screen and it looks like I'm looking at the camera. Yeah. There's just no way to arrange it that way. And I've, I've tried so many times. So it's like I, I just look like I'm like staring off to the side of the camera the whole time because that's my monitor um and i have just, a solution for you what's that so first off you get a drill and <laughs> you uh you get a drill bit and you drill mm-hmm. a hole in the center of your monitor and then you just oh. mount the camera in the center of the monitor and then that way when you're looking at your monitor you'll be looking at your camera too Okay, yeah, that sounds pretty much foolproof, and I don't see any problems with it. I mean, all you said was you wanted to be able to look at your camera and your monitor. You didn't say you needed to see anything on the monitor. So What are you, like an evil genie granting my wishes? <laughs> I <laughs> am. <laughs> the monkey paw curls one finger. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't ask for this. I didn't rub, rub any lamps asking for this. Um so yeah, check that out. Uh, that was a lot of fun, and uh, we're open to opportunities like that in the future. If anybody else wants us to come talk about a link to the past randomizer on their show, uh, get at us. Uh, email at gomodepodcast.com. Um, bi-weekly seeds. So episode 56, we initially it was just going to be quick swap enabled. Then at the last minute, we changed it to quick swap enabled boot start because that's the speed gaming live qualifier format. So I've done four Speed Gaming Live qualifiers in this format. Therefore, I have not done this particular bi-weekly seed <laughs> because I've been quite busy with the qualifiers themselves. Um, but uh, yeah, shout outs to everybody who played it. Hope hope that was enjoyable. Um, what should we do for the next one? I'm open to nothing. suggestions. Oh, yeah. Herf has nothing. I, I mean, <laughs> I could probably think of something, but not nothing like relevant to the current stuff going on actually i know what we can do i wonder if you're thinking of what i'm thinking of go ahead let me let me hear what you're thinking of does it start with a vowel it does yeah we're doing this all right let's do it so i guess we're playing in vrosia yeah yeah not you want to explain how that works i got to remember how it works right yeah i have to look it up it's (laughs) it's inverted um herf help me out here if i'm wrong here 
It's inverted. The big keys are wild. I can wild. tell you exactly what it is if All you right. want me to. Herf, you yeah, tell us the origin of it first, if you would, please. All right. So uh, it's something that Big Dunka, the ladder guy, <laughs> the master the of guy. the ladder, has uh, thought up. He's a big fan, as we all know, of inverted key sanity and inverted in general. But he's not such a big fan of the little, you know, the early game sting, as he calls it, where in inverted you're always starting out and you have to do some, you know, super low percent boss fights and it's kind of hard navigating the dark world and all that stuff. So he thought up Inrosia, which is like a weird mixture of inverted and Ambrosia. And uh, the official mode is uh, as follows. Uh, it's inverted Ganon 7-7. Bosses always have items. They cannot have a small key, map, or a compass. You do get a starting sword. Uh, it's standard dungeon items, but the big keys are shuffled everywhere, with the exception of the GT big key, which is always randomized in GT itself. So you're never going to go on a, a GT big key hunt. And uh, quick swap is on, as will be for all modes of season four. Mm, don't forget about that quick swap. Yep. Or rather, it so <laughs> quick swap enabled is a little. <laughs> um, it, it's a little. Uh, what's the word? It's um, a little misleading. Misleading. Uh, quick Thank swap you. I don't know. Enabled yeah. doesn't mean that quick swap is enabled. It means that the switch for you to enable quick swap on your ROM is enabled. Right. Thank you. Yes. So when you generate the seed, just like you can toggle background music on and off and palette swap on and off or, or palette randomizer or whatever, you can toggle quick swap. So you want to go ahead and toggle that on, even if you're not going to use it, like then just toggle it on and don't use it, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because that is going to be kind of the standard for pretty much everybody going forward. I definitely recommend if you didn't get a chance to check it out in the last one to take advantage of it as you make your way through Inverosia. So, yeah, that will be the next one. Dante has already generated it, so uh, look forward to that one. You can grab that in our Discord. Um, all right, do you guys have your bags packed? I do. Yep, sure do. All right, hopefully you packed somewhat light, though, right? Like, it's not, not yeah, like we're going to be dragging a bunch. It should be okay, I think. I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. I packed my okay. boots. Oh, good. Yeah, we'll, it'll definitely be helpful to have those. I've got some stuff in this Jansport right here. Um, all right. Well, let, uh, let's uh, let's let's go ahead and start our Hyrule World Tour. All right. So what we wanted to do today is or what we've done is I, I went into the customizer and I looked at all of the checks that are categorized as light world checks and made kind of a little spreadsheet about them. You know, the items that are required uh, to get to them, kind of notes, uh, th things like that. And essentially kind of narrowed that list down to a handful of light world checks that I wanted us to talk about today. Um, now, the thing about light world checks is they're, I mean, it's this is kind of true for the whole game, but it's like you just check them when you check them. And when, when you check them or whether or not you check them depends on a lot of things. And I, I get that. But what I want to try to do with these conversations is, yes, we'll tell you the items are required, any glitches that are associated with it, things like that. But then I really just want to have general conversations about like when you typically find yourself checking it, what kind of factors go into the decision to make a play for this spot or not, or to ignore it for as long as you can. And just kind of like see if we can uncover any interesting 
factoid, you know, nuggets of truth that we can uh, get people thinking about or, you know, help people along with uh, as, as we talk about some of these. So with that, um, I wanted to start with like the daddy of all light world checks. Uh, let's, you know, people meme about it all the time. It's always such a, uh, you know, hotbed topic of discussion. Let's just talk about the pedestal. Can we right call now. it Big Papa instead of Daddy? <laughs> Big Papa Ped. Big Papa Pedestal. Yeah, yes, Ped. I love it. Okay. All right. Let's discuss the BPP, everyone. Uh, okay. <laughs> so if we let's just get like academic about this. So and try to figure out like why why it is discussed so much. So it's you have to get all three of the pendants in the game in order to get the item that's on Ped. Typically, pendant dungeons you want to you know kind of like. If you don't go in them, it's good because uh, you're trying to get crystals, right? You don't want to spend your time getting a bunch of pendants, three of them, in fact, just to get one item. You really only want to do this if you're absolutely sure that you're going to need that item. And if you find out that the item is there, it's usually like, oh, crap, I'm going to have a bad time because now I have to go clear three more dungeons to be able to get this one required item. So... um, you cannot glitch this. There's no way around it. You have to get these three pendants to get the item that's here. But you can check what's on it using the Book of Medora. And uh, there are a couple of times where maybe if you have the book and it's early game and you're somewhat close to the pedestal, you might want to go check it to just to make sure. I think it's something like 5% of seeds are, are pedestal seeds is what we figured out you know, a year ago when we talked about it. Um, but uh let's let's i want to turn it over to you guys when do you check the ped if ever or do you like just say yolo and and never check it just hope it doesn't happen i mean that's sort of my way of going about it to be honest it uh it's if if it's on ped and i don't have like a seat that very like intensely points towards pet like you know pet has my moon pearl or something you know where it's like very easily seeable that you, that you have to pull pet eventually uh then i'll just go about my way and try to get all my crystals and pet will probably be one of my last checks mm-hmm. that's a totally reasonable approach since it only comes up five percent of the time you can just kind of operate under the assumption that it's not a ped seed and you're usually fine and and right and okay with that mm-hmm. that's definitely a way to do it dancy what are your thoughts i mean if i get book early um you know when i'm checking lost woods i'll i'll pop up there and i'll say let's see what this ped is maybe just uh mm-hmm. you know early game otherwise the only other time that's really convenient to check ped like without actually pulling it is Honestly, like when you get done with Skull Woods and you have the mirror and you have the book. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously to check it without pulling it, you need the book. So, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. Like, I hardly ever check it. There's been a few times where, you know, I, I'll, I'll kind of go out of my way if I have a suspicion and I want to get it off my mind. But most times, you know, 99 out of 100 times, I'm probably not going to check it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think really, as Dancy said, the only time is when I come out of Skull Woods and I happen to have both the book and the mirror. I'll probably, you know, quickly mirror over and throw it a quick check just to be sure. But other than that, I, I won't go out of my way to actually go there. Yeah. And we always say that, like, knowledge is power. And the more that you know where things are, the better positioned you are. But even with that general strategy in mind, it's still... 
I, I agree with you guys. I think it makes sense to not go out of your way too terribly often to check to see what's on ped if you have book. I would say if you're in uh, the Lost Woods and you have book and boots, then or, or like for me, at least personally, I might I might go check it at that point, um, especially if it's in the still in like the first 30 minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. The other part is like the meta, right? Like you kind of also assume that your your opponent is not going to either. So if it really gets down to it and like your last locationing something important and you realize that you've just got a bunch of pendant dungeons left, the same thing probably happened to your opponent unless they did go check it early. Um, you know, so it, I, I guess like that is one thing to say if you really want to try to like play for that ace in the hole and always make a a rule of checking it early like i wouldn't recommend that but the one time that it pays off will be pretty nice because then you you already know it's in all dungeons and your opponent's probably only looking for crystals right Uh, now with speaking of that sort of strategy i want to talk about pendant bosses um what does it take for you guys to clear a pendant boss uh if you don't know what's on ped yet but it is technically still in play uh, that decision for me mostly comes down to less like if it like I don't think about ped. I think about does the pendant boss still have an item that I might still need? You know, am I still looking for items? Then I'll probably kill it. Uh, or if it's the green pendant, I might be more inclined to kill it as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. If it has an item, it's kind of it's like okay, I'm really doing this for the item, but then a nice. Uh, bonus is that I get a useless pendant that might save the day if it turns out to be a pet seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and same thing with the green pendant. You have an, an extra incentive to get it. Um, can you think of any dungeons where maybe you do get your fourth item, but then you're like, eh, I might as well kill the boss? Because I've felt that way. I would say like Moldorm would be one, especially if I have like tempered. Uh, like I'll just go out there and kill Moldorm real quick just in case. Um, do you guys share that sentiment, or is that something you would ever consider doing? When you say fourth, do you mean, like, final item? Wait, when, when did I say fourth? Oh, uh, you say when you get, like, your fourth item. So I was, like, I was a little confused, but it, if I don't have an item, or I'm sorry, if the boss does not have an item, there's kind of no reason for me to kill, unless it's green pendant, like Herf was saying. There's no reason to kill the boss. Uh, personally, mm-hmm. especially if you have hookshot and or boots, and since starting with boots seems to be kind of the trend at the moment. Uh, you're going to have those probably. I am even with Moldorm as quick as it is. I don't see the point of killing him. Uh, you know, if maybe if I don't know what pet is, I'll do it. But if, if especially yeah. if I do, there's no point in killing him. Um, it's, Oh yeah, of it's course. A, if you know, then yeah, there's literally no reason there. I can't think of one reason to do mm-hmm. that. If, um, if I'm coming back up the mountain, it kind of depends on, you know, the dungeon. So you gave Moldorm as an example. I might skip out on that. If I, if one, uh, one of those two items in like Hera was progression and it let me do other things related to crystals, I may bail out on that boss at that point. Uh, especially if I am going to have another trip up the mountain, like say I don't have mitts yet. So now I can come back and do Dark Mountain when I have mitts and maybe bundle in Moldorm if I really feel like I have to. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I don't have anything left on the mountain but that and Ped's starting to look like a possibility, then sure, uh, you know, like you were saying, it doesn't take long to kill him, might as well. 
but it's very it's so situational uh just kind of based on how you're trying to read the seed honestly mm-hmm. um a quick question for you guys because i actually don't know the answer to this is the book required logically before you can pull ped no no Oh, it's not. So the no. so the book could be in GT and Ped could be mm-hmm. like hookshot. Yeah, you might have to blind pull Ped. It's happened quite a few times already. I mean, okay. The the book could be on Ped too. <laughs> oh yeah, that too. Um, gotcha. Okay. So that's not necessarily going to help you one way or the other. But I I was going to say, I a lot of times like if I'm getting near the end of the seed and of of available checks and I notice that I still have pendant bosses available left to kill i think the further on i get in the seed also the more likely i am to go ahead and kill those bosses because it's maybe looking more and more like ped might end up being the play would you guys agree with that Mm, i personally depends on if i've been in the pendant dungeons before or not assuming Mm. that i've cleared out the pendant dungeons already and it's like you know a couple of overworld checks or the pendant bosses left sure I will probably not do the bosses. I, the bosses yeah, will I would, probably be the last. I would agree with that, too. I, I guess I would clarify, like, if I'm already in that pendant dungeon clearing it out, yeah. I might take the time to go kill a pendant yeah. boss without an item on it. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I may, yeah, I, I might be more inclined to do that then as well. Yeah, and I'm not saying there's a right answer or strategy or anything. I just think it's an interesting conversation mm-hmm. um, to talk about because it's something that we all have to weigh at one point or another. If you've played at least 20 seeds, it's a very good chance you've had to contend with like, okay, what's going on with the pedestal? Do I need to check it? Is it is there something there? Like, how how do you handle that? Um, so yeah, I think it's a it's a good conversation. But that being said, I think we're kind of near the end of it. Any final thoughts about Ped before we move on to our next check? Sort of on topic, sort of off topic. Stop asking what's on PID. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of that's one of the reasons I, I wanted to just like go right out in the open and have a very academic conversation is because it gets memey really fast. People meme about, you know, what's on PED. Uh, it's like a joke that uh, no, it's beyond a joke. It, it happens. And also people make fun of it simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Everyone in Twitch chat wants to know what's on PED. And it's like stop asking like it, it when you watch a lot of these it becomes like you don't realize this when you just duck into a chat but literally everyone always asks that and it's like not even worth really discussing or not that interesting to go over and, and so yeah ped gets a bad rap but i do want to end this by saying i think it's a really i i love that it's a thing you know like it's cool that every you know one in every 20 seeds you have to all clear because like your luck was bad you know i just think it's cool right the other thing with ped is that from a viewer perspective, uh, you, you, since you did want this to be academic, I'll 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 put a spin on. Yes, it. please. Um, if this this is a a thing of that you can apply this in rando and life of sometimes thinking before you speak or type. Um, so when you see where if you pop into a race and say we're an hour in, um, you could analyze what items that the runners have, assuming the tracker is up to date, uh, and you can see what dungeons they've cleared. You can also see which dungeons are pendants probably by that point. I'd assume one or both runners have done a map check by that point. And uh, you could deduce, based on what they have and what's still missing, what could be on the pedestal that would be progression. This is Mm. why a lot of runners, honestly, don't check ped. Um, And I'm I'm glad we kind of went through this 
discussion because I can add that in too. Once you deduce that ped it can't have anything of value on it, except maybe a convenience item like a sword or maybe silvers, something along those lines, then you're not going to worry about ever checking it. So as a viewer, if you understand or have paid attention to the logic, um, and some people, you know, obviously don't, they may be new and that's totally fine. But yeah, if, if you have any knowledge of the game, uh, you know, watching a lot of races, you can deduce yourself, is there anything valuable on ped? And, you know, by that time, while you're deducing it, if you stay in the chat for more than five minutes, I'm pretty sure someone else would ask and kind of answer the question for you as well. Uh, if it's, you know, if there is anything there that would even be worth noting. Yeah, that is a really excellent point. Uh, and, and also while you're playing, too, I mean, while you're watching and also while you're playing, figuring out logically what could be on PED could save you the trouble of deciding to try to get it or not. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that's something you should kind of be doing the math on and trying to figure out as as you play. Um, very good point. Cool. Okay, let's move on to the next one. I'm actually going to skip down one um, to uh, this the the third one here on our outline. Let's talk about Dark Cross. So this is a part of Castle Escape, and of course we've talked about it, you know, Castle Escape before. But number one, that was literally our very first episode. So there's maybe some fresher takes that we have on this. And number two. Uh, the interesting thing about Castle Escape is, yes, it is a dungeon, but it also is very much in play as just like overworld checks. And it honestly kind of feels like three different checks. You have the front of escape, which has three chests uh, or, or four. Actually, you have the front of escape, which is three chests, the back of escape, which is three chests, sanctuary, which is one of them, and then dark cross, which is one of them. So you have eight different chests and six potential items. And because of how segmented it is and how easy it is to get to the back of escape, um, and the fact that you can get to Dark Cross from two different sides, it really varies. Like, should I check one of these or the other? And a lot of times you'll see somebody check Dark or Back of Escape like it's just a regular Light World check. So with that in mind, let's talk a little bit about Dark Cross and like how you approach that when it makes sense to check that and, and, and like how long you should put it off. So um, required items to get this within logic, you would need the lamp. And also, uh, if you're coming from the back, you need a key. You need to pick up a key in one of the chests before you head back here. Um, and now, of course, this is a dark room, and we talked all about dark rooms and how to get it before. So we're not going to talk about like the strategy of like how to do this. It's more about when to do it is kind of today's conversation. Um, so obviously, this check gets comboed a lot with the front of escape. You know, if you find a mirror or death warp after those three, you can get back to the front. And then head straight after Hyrule Castle and go check it then. And that's a pretty quick way to do it. Um, sometimes it gets combo with back of escape. Uh, you know, you can you can drop down uh, the grave from there. And then if you get a key in those three chests, head back that way. Um, and sometimes there's really just no good time or way to check this. Uh, and even better is if you check front and back of escape and you get your items and you know that it's trash and you just safely ignore it. That's like kind of best case scenario. All right, so with all of that sort of, you know, background info in mind, let's let's talk a little bit about, you know, your guys' thoughts. And I have a hypothetical kind of figured out here, and I want to see how you guys would respond to this. So let's say you do back of escape, and you find a small key and two items. You have fire rod, and you're one, one item away from dark world access. Do you check dark cross or save and quit and do the front of escape instead? Or something completely different? 
Well, kind of depends on how much other checks I have left, I guess. But let's say none. Well, personally, I would uh, generally probably go to the Dark Cross when I'm in back of escape and I get the key and I can, you know, I have the fire rod and I can get to it. I will probably do it a lot of the times. Okay. Just because I think it's more convenient to get to it from the back than saving quit, go through the whole front, and then make it down there through, you know, all the sewer stuff, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dancy, how do you weigh in on this hypothetical? Uh, Well, in the past, I I wouldn't check Dark Cross probably at all. it, It really is... It's hard for me to just say this is what I do uh, with mm. with a lot of these, and mm. it's kind of a scenario of all right, am I checking? Am I checking escape from the front? Um, and if so, then you know, can I deduce where stuff is? <sighs> Let's see. I'm trying to break this down so I can like explain my thought process. Yeah, and it, that's what we're looking for. And it, it's tough because it's so situational and on the fly. And sometimes it's just like, I don't feel like doing that. So I won't do it. Um, but right now, I guess logically, it's kind of like, all right, if I drop in at the back and I got a key, have I done any of the front? Yes or no? If yes, can I deduce that the map is in that chest? If so, mm-hmm. then I don't have to worry about it. Right. If... You know, if I have a sword, I'm more inclined if I'm at the back first to go ahead and do it because I can see things with the sword, and it's a little easier to go after that rat in the back. Sometimes that can be tough, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if you're using, like, say, bombs or uh, something that's not a sword. Like, even, I mean, hookshot's kind of nice because it kills the rats in one hit. You know, we've talked about that on a past episode, and you can kind of you know, zip around, you can pull the key to you, but in complete darkness, it's tough. If it's in logic, I'm going to check it. So let me, let me throw that little plug in there. If it's in Mm. logic and I think an item's there, I'm going to check it. But if I'm sequence breaking by saying doing the dark rooms, then, you know, it depends on how thorough I'm feeling. It depends on, you know, what my equipment loadout is. If I have a sword, I'm more inclined to check it than if I don't. That's kind of, you know, I guess my overall takeaway from this. So one thing to point out here in my hypothetical, I did specify that you have the fire rod and this is worth saying out loud in advanced logic, which is what most of us play. The dark cross is actually in logic with fire rod. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Um, if I guaranteed do have the fire rod, yeah, sure. I'll check it. If I think you'll check from the back. Yeah. I'll check it from the back. Probably. um, Unless my next play was the front. Like, if I'm definitely doing the front next, like 100%, then I'll probably save and quit, and I'll do the front to see if I can deduce the map is there. And it also that would also depend on what my health situation is or my mirror situation is of how quickly I can get back to the front of escape because I don't want to have to run from Zelda Cell all the way back to the, to the front, you know, because that's slow. We only do that in standard mode because, you know... We have to. No choice. But, <laughs> unless you get mirror. <laughs> but, you know, jokes aside, it's like, I'm going to put off Dark... Everyone wants to put off Dark Cross to save time, because otherwise it's a... You know, it is a time sink, whether you're coming from the back or the front. Uh, boots obviously make it a little faster, but if you have Fire Rod, yeah, sure. Why not? I'll check it. But mm-hmm. it will depend on if my next play is front of Escape or not. Yeah. 
So you both have said you will, you know, take the key. And, you know, I thought academically my answer would be that I would save and quit and go to front of escape and hope that I never have to do dark cross. But as if I really imagine myself in that situation and I have the fire rod and I get the key and I don't get the map, I it feels close, doesn't it? I'm not sure that it really is that close, but it feels like, well, I'm here and I got the key. I might as well just like open this door real quick and go kill the rat and just check it from this from, you know, from this side. I think I probably would do it, too. But anytime I'm in a situation where like when I'm playing, I want to do one thing. But when I'm sitting back and thinking about it, I think I should do something different. I'm more inclined to listen to the latter. So I'm I'm thinking like, I mean, from a risk taking point of view stance, it would make more sense to go to front of escape because if you could just not do back of escape or, or dark cross, I mean, if you could just not do dark cross because you determine there's a map there, that's obviously faster, right? And the odds are in your favor that that's the case. So I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to like kind of reevaluate now. <laughs> yeah. It, it yeah. just, yeah, as Dan, if you were saying, it just depends on so much stuff, really. What, what's yeah. your next move? What do you have? What do you don't, you know, what do you not have? Where do you, where are you coming from when you're doing this escape check from the back or the front? Yeah. But I think, you know, with the tools that we, you know, in the hypothetical that we laid out saying like everything's done except for escape and you're staring down the barrel of having to do an aga, uh, but maybe you can find a way out of it. Um, you know, it's worth checking and, and figuring out the, the order you want to do it is, the kind of stuff we're talking about today. So, oh yeah. Um, any any final thoughts about this dark cross puzzle before we move on to our next one? Good luck, everybody. You got this. <laughs> you got this. Just follow your heart and brain, mostly brain, and then heart after that. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I'm making an active attempt today to not talk over my co-hosts because if you guys listened to last episode like I did, I was talking over everybody. So that did so you? temp yeah, and so temp. I'm sorry. When you ask a question, I was like, you know, I figured Herb's going to say something. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> oh, no, that's fine. You know I cut those awkward silences out. Yeah, it's all good. I'm not worried. You need to leave yeah. that one in now for context. Okay. Yeah, no, now that we've talked about it, I pretty much have to. <laughs> that wasn't even that bad, too. We've had we've had way longer we've silences worse, where yeah, we all just sure. silently sit and introspect. <laughs> and think about what we just said. Exactly. Okay, so the next one I want to talk about, um, it's not as complicated, I think, but it, there's definitely a lot of uh, contingencies surrounding it that I think it's, it's worth having a conversation about. And that is Magic Bat. So this one is tricky because it kind of requires a lot of items to be able to check. There's, there's some combinations of these items that we'll lay out here in just a second. Um, but the other thing about Magic Bat is uh, if you're living that glitch life and the possibility of glitches is open to you, then you know that uh, if you have the mushroom, you can either turn that in at the witch's hut or you can use it to glitch checking the Magic Bat. So um, that kind of factors into your decision making, hopefully, when you're looking at whether you want to do this or not. Um, so the, as far as actual uh, logist or logical requirements for magic bat, you need to have magic powder and either hammer or dark world access mitts and mirror. <laughs> so um, that actually comes up quite a bit. Uh, it sounds like a lot, but I mean, it's really just, you know, 
half the time when you have Dark World access is because you have mitts, and then all you have to do is find a mirror somewhere, and now you have sort of like the back entrance, uh, the you know the back logic entrance to Magic Bat essentially by going past where the the uh, peg is in the Dark World, mirroring, and then dropping down from the other side, and then you don't have to use a hammer. So uh, again, the glitch that you can do here if you don't have magic powder to actually get this for real, you could do one called fake powder. So I want to briefly explain how to do this just in case people aren't aware. It's very easy to do. You just need to know how to do it. Um, does one of you guys want to explain it, actually, since I can just break this up a little bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, okay. basically, all you have to do is uh, you have to use your cane uh, or you have to use anything that uses your magic. So you're essentially out of magic. And then uh, you have to let's see if I get this right. You have to try to place a Somaria block and then um, open your menu and switch to your mushroom. And when you uh, close the menu, it will powder for you. Yeah. Is that and right? that's it. Okay. Yeah. You just deplete your magic and then you know, try to like start and hit the cane at the same time, basically move over the mushroom and you're good to go. Um, I've had a lot of seeds lately where I find the mushroom near magic bat. And that is just such a blessing because then you can, you know, do this nice, simple glitch, check that, and then turn it in later to the witch. And you're not missing out on a chance to pick up something there. Um, and anecdotally, totally just 100% my own experiences. I find like good stuff on magic bat pretty frequently. I feel like, um, it's, it's definitely, uh, not the kind of check that you want to ignore for, for too long. I've discovered also, I think just by nature of being sort of a fetch quest in a way, like you have to get powder and then you can go get this, um, fetch quests tend to hide things that you need, um, sometimes. So I don't know. Again, that's totally anecdotal. Don't, don't take that uh, as too scientific. But um, I make a point to check Magic Bat earlier rather than later, personally. Um, it's often comboed with hammer pegs, of course, if you have the mirror and you can go back and forth and do the two. It's on the same screen, so that actually works out really great. Um, and then also the Smith Chain, it can kind of be part of that, you know, kickoff of, of all that since it's right there with those. Um, another one is Sick Kid. You know, if you're like coming into Kakariko kind of halfway through the seed to tie up loose ends, stuff that you didn't have before, like a bottle or powder or cane or mushroom or whatever, it can kind of be a good like, you know, Kakariko cleanup trip uh, destination for you. Um, so let's talk about uh, hypothetical here. And I would actually recommend if you guys are game to maybe get out a tracker uh, so you can kind of put these in and then see the spots available. We can all kind of play along because I have a hypothetical here um, and I'm interested to hear what, what play you guys would make in this situation. So let's say you have Titan's Mitts, Mirror, Mushroom, and Samaria. So, you know, uh, fake powder and no hammer. So you just finished Thieves Town and you have South Dark World to check. What do you do from there? Well... well Easy answer for me personally. Uh, I go do the South Dark World checks. I I don't know. I never fake powder ever. Okay, Dancy. Um, can you give me clarification on what type of seed we're playing? It's just a uh, open seven seven. Uh, if I am gonna, yeah, if I haven't seen powder in in like like plain sight type location, such as you know like desert ledge or up on the mountain you know, Lake Helia Island. Uh, I have no reason to sequence break like this far out of the way sequence break the, um, 
the powder. If I had hammer, maybe I would do it. If I, you know, yeah. just to lump it in. No hammer, I don't see the point because then I've got to go back to my portal to get back into Dark World. And by, by my portal, I mean I've got to go to that one north of Kakariko. Yeah. Um, I, I don't see the point of doing that unless you're really feeling behind or you've got a feeling that you know that check's going to be a good check. But uh, yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I and unless it's like key sanity, key sanity, I might, I might do that just because let's get it over with and there's more likelihood to find value there. But I, you know, and I can maybe sequence break some logic stuff that way or figure something out. Most times in open seven seven, you're going to end up with trash if you haven't seen powder. Depending on how late game you are, it's going to be in GT, and then you're just going to waste time. So, you know, take your go with the I, I'd go with the odds. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. And Dante hit on the you know the crux of this thought experiment, which is that if you do choose to, um, you know, glitch your magic powder right here by using the mirror, you have now cut yourself off from being able to get back to the dark world because you can't get back to that portal you just made and you have to go back up to North Kakariko and kind of start the whole process over again. And that one check has ended up taking you, you know, 45 seconds, maybe something like that by the time you kind of reset to your previous position. Um, and I think it could be easy to be like, you look at your tracker and be like, oh, I, I can get this one right now. Here we go. And like, uh-oh, I didn't realize what I just did to myself. And now I've I've kind of like put yeah. myself off track. Um, so I think that's definitely important to consider. Um, but yeah, this is uh, just kind of one, you know, it's, it's good to know that fake powder glitch. Uh, it's good to, you know, kind of, you, you, since you have the light world and dark world to consider, uh, if you decide to kind of do it that way. And since there are dark world checks on that same screen that you might want to be able to get at some point that it would be better to loop that one in with, there's a lot to kind of think about. So just make sure you're not trapping yourself from more checks that you could be getting, or, um, you know, maybe as we're going to talk about here in a second with potion shop, turning that in prematurely. So you can't do this glitch. Um, just make sure you're thinking about all of these things as you're playing. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you have any other sort of thoughts on this, Shout them out in the Discord. Uh, so moving on from that one, uh, since it is sort of related by the mushroom, I did want to talk about Potion Shop. So this one is sort of tricky uh, as a light world check because it's sort of in the middle of nowhere in a way. Uh, it does, however, have the benefit of being a direct flute destination. So if you have flute and mushroom, it's pretty easy to just like, oh, I'm going to go to two on the flute. I'm going to drop off the mushroom. I'm going to get an item real quick. Bada boom, bada bing. But again, that might not be the thing to do because you might want to hang on to that mushroom so that you can use it for the fake powder glitch down in Kakariko, uh, potentially. So already right off the bat, that's one thing you might have to think about when you're considering this check and whether to do it or not. Um, things that it's often comboed with, uh, of course, if you have a flute, that's easy. Um, it's also sort of in the neighborhood of both pyramid and catfish. So if you happen to have the mirror and you're doing it that way, uh, you know, it could make sense to do a mirror bonk right there and turn in the mushroom. Um, and we'll talk about, you know, mushroom turn in here. And, and well, I guess I guess kind of right now is the time. So <laughs> another another weird aspect about this check. Good transition, right? Oh, perfect. Um, 
<laughs> is that you have this thing kind of like with the smiths uh the smith chain where you turn in the item to the witch you need to leave the screen and then come back and then you go inside the hut and you get your item right there so you have to for this reason consider what's the fastest way to get off the screen and come back and it seems trivial but it's going to come up almost any time you know that or, or it will come up any time you turn in this this check which is you know probably more seeds than not so i think it's worth you know, highlighting here real quick. So the fastest route, as far as I can tell, the one that I've seen all the top runners do is basically if you, you know, turn in the mushroom to the witch, dash left, then dash north past the house and then left again off the screen um, or even walk that way. That seems to be the fastest direct route to get off the screen and get back onto it. Um, would you guys agree with that assessment or have I maybe missed something? Well, the other thing that you wrote there, I think is faster. Right. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about the other one uh, yeah. right now. So that's the mirror bonk. If you do happen to be coming from the dark world, what you can do is kind of use the bushes in front of the witch's hut to uh, mirror sort of near one of them so that, okay, so imagine you're standing near one of those. You mirror from the dark world to the light world. You turn in the mushroom and then you want to uh, cut down one of the adjacent bushes next to the portal you just put down and then walk into the portal. So the idea is you mirror back to the dark world and then you bonk on a bush that's there and it immediately sends you back to the light world. And so that ends up taking like six seconds or something like that, which ends up being several seconds faster than running off the screen and running back on. So if you happen to be in that situation with the mirror in the dark world, that is actually the fastest way to do that check. But if you're coming from the light world, then of course you can't apply that because the mirror is not going to help you there. But yeah, that is kind of the the basics of turning that one in. I do have a hypothetical uh, typed out for this one here for us to kind of mull over. Um, so check this out. You just checked Pyramid and you have the Mirror and Mushroom to check Potion Shop on your way to Catfish. You have Samaria, but no Magic Powder. Do you loop in the Potion Shop check or hold out for Fake Powder? What do you guys think? It kind of comes back to the last one for me, I guess. Uh, I, I don't think I hold out just for the fake powder, just because when am I going to be up here again? Uh, when totally. am I ever going to be in such a convenient position again to get the mushroom check in? I feel that. I think I'd agree with that. Dancy, yeah. where are you on this? Um, Am I going to catfish, like, right now? Yes or no? Yeah. And if, yeah. if yes, then I'll go ahead and turn it in, uh, if I have a mirror. But... If I'm not going there, I'm not more incentivized to catfish doesn't make me want to do that over, say, pod if I'm, you know, coming from Aga or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I, Mirror, I, I'd probably go ahead and check it. I, you know, open 7-7. Seven, seven. I'm not worried about Magic Bat. Plus, you know, what if your cane's on Mushroom? Stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I'd go ahead and do it. Hmm. Yeah, I think I would, too. I think we're all in agreement of that. Um, the idea being, you know, you're holding out for a sequence break. So it's not like you're going to, you know, the, I think that sort of reduces your chances of putting yourself in a situation where you really regret not doing the, the sequence break, the you know, yeah. doing the fake powder, because mm -hmm. there's still a good chance you're going to find that powder somewhere. And then it's not even a problem anymore. You can just go do it the, the appropriate way, the intended way. Um, so yeah, I think that pretty much settles that one. But do you guys have any other thoughts about like 
you know, flute, when to flute and turn this one in or when to walk by it. Oh, oh, actually, as I'm saying that, um, I did want to just quickly mention the uh, portal that is near it. So another way to quickly get to this, say if you don't have the flute and you want to turn in the mushroom, is if you start at Link's house and go south and if, say, you have the flippers, you have to have the flippers for this, um, you can go into that portal that's right there in the, you know, uh, swamp area. And it will take you to a portal that's right outside of the potion hut. And that's a pretty fast way to get up there and turn that in. Mm -hmm. um, so just keep that one in mind. Uh, any any final thoughts about this potion shop turn in? Uh, I got to be honest. For me personally, I'm not the greatest player. But for me, it's kind of a gut feeling thing, especially mm -hmm. when I have the flute. Like if I'm going to flute somewhere anyway and I'm like, eh, I don't know. I feel like it could have something. I'll maybe throw in a quick stop at two. Something like that. I, I don't really... I, I personally couldn't say that there's really any rhyme or reason when I go for the potion shop turn-in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I would agree with that. Just kind of stay on your toes. Keep those things, you know, that we've talked about in mind. But, um, yeah, use your best judgment, as as is always the case. Uh, I think we have time for one more. So right. I wanted to talk about uh, Hobo, which... I just want to say right off the bat, I don't love that term. It seems like, <laughs> you know, like a little bit disrespectful. And I know that seems silly, but do you think, how, what would you guys think about giving Hobo a name and referring to him by his name instead? Uh, I'm fine with him being Hobo. I think there's too many named people already. How about, I'm fine with not calling him Hobo, but I don't want to give him a name. How about, I don't know, we can call him Camper. Camper? Since he's camping there with a tent and a fire and stuff. <laughs> Mm, okay yeah it's not it's not like he doesn't have a house he's just hanging out he's just taking a yeah. little camping trip under the under the bridge okay yeah i could live with that all right camper let's talk about camper so <laughs> one of the reasons uh that i wanted to include it here you know that one of the reasons is tricky i think this one's very easy to put off and it's very time consuming to get unless you have a very specific uh you know collection of items um, that being, you know, Dark World Access and Flippers and the uh, Mirror, um, which is a nice convenient way to check. And we talked about that when Kern was on, that kind of, you know, quick way to check it. Uh, but usually you're going to be flippering and, and swimming around from Lake Hylia all the way up there and then all the way back. So it's a little inconvenient. It has kind of become a staple of early checks, I've noticed, especially if you have the Flippers or even if you don't, you could fake Flipper to it, which makes it an attractive option. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, flippers are required to get to it. Um, but you can also fake flipper. You can also water walk there too. If you're coming out of ice rod cave and you set up that really simple water walk, you could just dash your way all the way up there. That's a really fast way. I definitely recommend that when, and if you can get away with it. Um, but, uh, yeah, other than that, you're just, you're just swimming there. Um, I didn't really come up with a hypothetical for this one per se. I just kind of wanted to have an open conversation with you guys about when you find yourself checking the camper spot like when when does that typically happen for you guys so i if i had to put it extremely generally like very broadly i guess i try to like get it in with something else i think hobo is one of those oh excuse me camper is one of those <laughs> spots that uh is you know extremely bad and inconvenient to check on its own like if you you know if you isolate it or if you're like oh i guess i'm gonna take a quick detour and just go check the hobo quickly that's that's not something that's happening right so yeah yeah 
If I have to put it very generally, let's say I do have the flute and I haven't been to Zora yet. I flew to eight and I want to jump in, you know, and take the portal to Zora, maybe throw in the Lake Hylia check. I'll probably swim up to the camper position uh, before I do that, go pay him a quick visit and then swim back down and take the portal to Zora. Or uh, before I go into Ice Palace, if I'm that far into the seed, or maybe earlier on, as you said, you come out of Mini Moldorm Cave from your South Shore check and you have the flippers, you might jump in, you know, look, take a look what's on Lake Hylia and swim up to Hobo and then save and quit from there. Something like that. I try to, you know, combo it in, in some way. That's, as, you know, it's very general and not very, you know, detailed, but that's as general as I can put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Dante, what about you? Um, most times I'm going to route that in and just check it. Uh, if I'm fake flippering, I'll probably do it with, you know, flute or not. Um, yeah, uh, it really just depends. You know, I, I've said that word a lot. You know, I guess that that's who our next sponsor should be is depends. But um. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I was thinking before this episode of putting a, a like banning the phrase it depends being like look i know everything depends life depends like everything in this world is conditional we need answers you know most times if i know i think we've i think we've been pretty good about it yeah most times if i like i said though if i'm going to start doing those water checks i'm most likely going to do hobo or man under bridge or camp Camp, camper (laughs) i was thinking like hoboken joe or something like that Okay. I don't know why. Uh, Sahashrila's degenerate brother. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, most likely I would I, I would probably go ahead and do it just because the, the fake flipper trick is not too hard to get back from. If I've got flippers, I'm definitely going to do it. If, you know, it's just I, what I will say do uh, personally, if I've got the boots, my idea would be to set up the water wall or the fake flipper with the water walk so arm your water walk then potentially use your bomb to get you the perfect screen placement if you can do that without Hmm. um wasting a lot of time that way you swim up there and then you can run back some people like to run there swim back i haven't timed it i don't know which one's faster but uh i like to be able to run back because then i have a little more control over link uh, you know, or like steady control, I guess I should say, uh, if I'm in that glitch state when I'm trying to get into the waterfall afterwards. Yeah. So if you do that, if you uh, fake flipper there, which you have to get that on the first try, if this is going to work, yes. which is kind of tough, but you mentioned that bomb setup, which helps. Um, if you do that fake flipper up there and then run back, if you go into the portal, you are then put into a fake flipper state after the portal. Is that right? Or are you no, walking on the water? Still? You're still water walking. Still. Wa- okay. So that seems like definitely the best way to do it because then you can collect, uh, you could have a water walk save to go up and collect whatever's on Zora ledge. Am I, am I right about that or no? Uh, no, you would lose your water walk state at that point. Um, gotcha. It's not armed at that point anymore. So Yeah. This is all very confusing to me. Since we <laughs> talked about Ansela and had Kernot, like I've really been trying really hard to wrap my brain around the whole Lake Hylia glitch water check situation. I always get it wrong. In one of the qualifiers, I put off Hobo because I wanted to keep a water walk. Man under do, bridge. Go do, yes, man under bridge. Thank you. To go do Zora. And then the man under the bridge had the item that I needed to beat the seed. So that was frustrating. I'm still trying to figure this out. I don't know why it's so hard for me, but 
Um, hopefully, you know, this at least gives you some things to think about. I love the idea of fake flipping up there and, and water walking back that I'm, I'm definitely going to try to incorporate that into my next, uh, seed whenever appropriate. Um, one other quick thing I wanted to mention, I think Dante, you actually said this, but just to make sure I say it, you know, clearly, uh, if you do have the flippers and you go up to make this check, uh, and you have the flute as well, do not swim back. Just go to that little shallow area, use the flute and go to eight. It's going to save you way more time if you just use your flute to get back. And it's nice that that shallow area is there because it does allow you to do that. Yeah, definitely. Um, the only other thing I wanted to make sure I said in case, you know, for our newer runners, if this was not clear, um, you can fake flipper to a camper, of course. And then the way that you get back in is you have to jump off of the ledge and do your screen transition on the same frame that you jump off. And it's actually a lot easier than it sounds. You just go to that top area where that pillar is and then kind of like do a quick tap of your controller up and then you should be lined up to go right. And, and do it. And if it doesn't work, it's actually really easy to just try again real quick. Just slightly adjust your vertical position and try it again and you'll get it eventually. So that's how you do that. Um, any final thoughts about our friend under the bridge? And it's okay if you talk over each other a little bit. He's, he's, he's pretty chill. I mean, he's chill. He's, yeah, I mean, he's, he's cool right. by me. He always gives me stuff. You know, That check is not too far out of the way, in my opinion. So... Uh, well, we, I he, feel like we've uh, all just gotten used to it. He once had a sword for me in a match versus Vtorp in a very, very old qualifier, and I got it very late. And he's been a butthole ever since in my head. That's like <laughs> me and Bombo's tablet. Yeah. Nice. Uh, speaking of Bombo's tablet, that was one that we had included, but I think we're kind of out of out of time uh, for this particular uh, topic, but. Um, yeah, there's more checks, obviously. And if you enjoyed this episode and you want us to do more of these, let us know. And we can definitely do more kind of these like, you know, overworld check conversations. But uh, for now, let's go ahead and get into our fetch questions. OK, so we had one fetch question from a friend of the show, Oro. Uh, a good, good friend of, of all of us, I think. And, uh, Oro actually says, Hey guys, long time listener, first time fetch questioner. So I didn't even realize this is their first time sending in a question. So thank you, Oro. And it's, it's a good one. So here is the question. A lot of the podcasts I listen to are plugging their books right now. What do you imagine go mode podcast? The book would be like, and when can we pre-order it? Uh, let's start with you, Herf. What does go mode podcast? The book look like? You know, I've been mulling this over for a while now, ever since I opened the outline earlier and was reminded of this question. I already saw it when it came in, but I kind of forgot about it again. And I got to be honest, I really, I can't imagine it. I, I just, I don't know, I, maybe I'm not creative enough or maybe I'm not imaginary enough, but I don't know. I couldn't imagine writing a book in the first place, to be honest, <laughs> like just me by myself. And as our podcast, what would we write about? I don't think I'd want to write a book about uh, Link to the Past Randomizer just because I don't think I'm a good enough player to, you know, I, I'd feel like I'd be kind of a phony if I wrote a book about <laughs> a Link to the Past Randomizer, if that makes sense. I know what you just, mean. Yeah, I just, I just don't feel, you know, accomplished enough to be able to be like, yeah, I can, I can write a book about this. I'm, I'm the guy you should listen to and buy the book. So a lot of times authors are just the ones that got published first, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Not, not because they are like the, mm -hmm. uh, authority. Yeah. Yeah. 
And to be honest, I also, as you all know, I'm not really a big podcast follower, but the few podcasts I listen to, I'm not really sure what they could write books about. So I'm sort of curious what those podcast books are about. Are they just writing about their story? I would imagine ours would probably be full of anecdotes of some kind. <laughs> Uh, well, I think one that Aura was listening to or mentioning is I know we both listened to My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is a comedy podcast. And they just wrote a book about like how to start a podcast and like tips mm-hmm. for making a good podcast. So I guess any podcast could make a book about that, you know, whether it yeah. would be worth reading would be one thing. But um, yeah, what Dancy, what are your thoughts on the, the podcast book? Uh, podcast it book? would be recording episodes of Go Mode Podcast, the true life story. Uh, and it would be all the behind the scenes stuff and that's all I could really, you know, it would, it would have to be really drummed up to cause drama or incite drama. Cause there's really none with us. So <laughs> like it wouldn't sell well. So that, when you hear book, you're thinking of like a tell all. Yeah, it would, it would be the, the untold story. Um, nice. That that's kind of my thought. But I like it. If it's about if it's about the game, then it would kind of be like uh, a summary. Like, hey, here's all of our episodes in book form, like up to this date and volume one. And then you can buy and read the book instead of listen to the podcast. <laughs> yes, that that's what I was thinking. Is not so much like a book, like a novel, just full of pages of words, but more like a Brady games strategy guide, you know, where each page is like a full color, you know, illustrations and text, you know, in little boxes and, you know, uh, sidebars and stuff like that to talk about tech. I think it would just be like a, a strategy guide. And the first half would be all the dungeons. And then the second half would be conversations in general, like, you know, basically the, the titles, the titles of our episodes. It would take a ton of work, and uh, I, there was no plans whatsoever for that. But I could definitely see it. I think that would be uh, Tim's, super fun. Tim's already brainstorming how to make this happen. <laughs> I'll have He's the outline. Already wrote uh, the outline for the book. Yeah. I'm sure. He's googling yeah. how do I? What is Brady Game's email address? <laughs> how to self-publish strategy guide money? Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. Well, Oro, thank you so much for that question. That was a lot of fun to think of. If you guys have suggestions for what Go Mode Podcast the book should be, you can send them to us either through email, email at gomodepodcast.com. Uh, you can tweet them at us at Go Mode Podcast on Twitter, or you can jump in our Discord and we can talk about them there under our podcast channel. Um, or if you just have regular fetch questions or kind of anything else you want to talk to us about, you can reach out to us in those ways. Um, we're all on Twitch. I am twitch.tv slash temp underscore Dante is twitch.tv slash D A A A N T Y and Herf is twitch.tv slash Herfy Durfy. Do you guys have anything to shout out this week? Mm, not really. I guess, uh, the mafia remake just came out of, of the first mafia game. I don't know if either of you have ever played that, but I love that game and mm-hmm. the remake's really good. Nice. Uh, Dante? Well, shameless plug, I uh, I finally achieved the 3,000 PFC mark in Dance Dance Revolution, or the perfect score mark, so I uh, I am in search of a new goal, I guess, with dance games, of something to do, and uh, I'm kind of, I've been celebrating, and by celebrating, I mean I've just kind of been very relaxed about it, and uh, yeah, we'll just, I'll set a new goal, because I like to set my goals high, and we'll... Uh, 
we'll start working towards something else, I guess. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. And congrats That's, on the yeah, 3,000. Definitely. That was crazy. Yeah, thanks. That seems like a really big deal. It's a, I don't know if it's a big deal. I just like, I think about the time investment for that. You know, if every song is like a minute to minute and a half to two minutes, if I got every single one of them on the first try, 3000 of them, you would think that's how much time at minimum you'd have to invest for that. So, uh, it's, I don't know. It just, it makes me think about dang, I put a lot of time in this game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to shout out uh, Speedrun Education. We have the links in the description, but uh, part two of our discussion should be coming out today, so check that out. Uh, if you enjoy the show, leave us a review on iTunes. We are four away from 50. We really want to get there before the end of the year. Um, Dancy, I hate to put you on the spot, but do you have any other suggestions for uh, some some things folks can, can shout at us if they don't have anything that they want to write personally? Uh you could, based off this episode, I've got a couple of ideas. You could tell us your favorite overworld check that we discussed on this episode of the podcast and just say, hey, I like Man Under Bridge, mm. or I like the mushroom. Hoboken Joe. Uh, Hoboken Joe. <laughs> Hoboken I like Joe. Magic Bat, you know. Or uh, uh-huh. or you could just say, yo, Herfie's giraffe is really cool, like the, the, the photo thing. It, let's go with those <laughs> two, because I think it's really cool. And if I hadn't have already left the review, that would be my review. Oh, I got this idea. Uh, a podcast I listened to recently used like you can set a featured image for each episode, which we normally never do. But if you do, it just like shows up as like the splash screen while you're listening to the podcast for that particular episode. So I think I know what I'm going to do with your draft. Picture oh, for this yes. One. Yes. <laughs> yeah. oh, no boy. explanation up top or anything like that. It's just going to be a big picture of a, of a draft with the word Herfy on it. Uh, so if you were wondering why the episode has that now you know we literally just decided it in the last minute of the the episode (laughs) so there you go um last thing uh if you really if you really enjoy the show you can leave us a donation we have a paypal link at the bottom of the episode description and uh thank you so much to those of you who have contributed that is very thoughtful and means a lot to us uh, and with that, we will go ahead and wrap up ep- episode 57, our Heinz episode. Good old 57. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And we will be back in two weeks for 58. Time to mirror out. <laughs>